And welcome to the Literally Gagging podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to all those books that make you go, ooh, do people actually enjoy that? Oh, it's not for me, is it? My name's Molly and I'm here with my co-host, Hannah. How are you today, Hannah? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm grand. I am living La Vida Loca. We're still in lockdown, but we can now have our cleaners and our nannies in our house, but can't go and visit our family. I obviously am in the town that had the massive conga line over the VE Day weekend. Were you part of that conga line, Molly? Fuck off. No, there was... (laughs) There was a street party around the corner from us where they had a man singing for a bit and a woman garbling like Dame Vera Lynn and then someone's teenage son came out and destroyed all the classics. Like, he was just there with his acoustic guitar being like... Oh, wow, sweet child of mine. I really think that the veterans love an acoustic cover of a classic pop song. I don't know how else you could realistically pay your respects to them Apart without from, uh, <laughs> doing a conga line and spreading disease no one did a great deal for VE day round my bit of the Manchester city centre anyway which was welcomed frankly I miss living in a city and no one giving a shit about anything or anyone oh my god it's amazing themselves. It's just so great. No one wants to talk to you. No one wants to look at you. No one wants to ask you questions. This is honestly the the best time to live in a city centre because everyone's just like ignoring everyone else like they always do. And that's the dream. Like I don't want to suddenly be having to do things with my name. Although to be fair, like my parents live in like a little cul-de-sac and every week they do a road quiz where everyone comes and sits on their front step, which is very cute. That's impressive. It looks like fun, but also if someone was doing that here, I wouldn't want anything to do with it. And what are you drinking? this week Miles. this week i've gone for a white rioca oh we had a little bit of money left over in the old joint account <laughs> so i thought i'd treat myself to an eight pound bottle of wine what are you partaking in this week i'm having a beaver town lupaloid ipa which i will admit i partly bought because the cans are really cool yeah and then took the lids out of the cans and made them into holders for my tiny cactuses <gasps> ah because i'm that bitch i'm that hipster bitch So this week we are reading The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty by Anne Rice under the pseudonym or nom de plume, thank you very much, as A.N. Roquelor, Roquelor. I'm the one with the French group, Roquelor. I'm going to go with Roquelor. This is specifically why I was leaving this for you to say. But it's Anne Rice. They wrote Interview with the Vampire and all those ones. It's Anne Rice. So right up at the top of this episode, we do want to give a trigger warning as the book is very problematic. There is a lot of heavy themes within the BDSM community and involving sex slavery. Now we know that consent is like the number one thing within the BDSM community and it's all very safe. There is not a lot of consent in this book a lot of unconsentful acts a lot of sexual humiliation as well which might be absolutely your bag and if it is this is the book for you and if it isn't that's entirely fine we just wanted to make it clear to people and we can put in the show notes those specific bits where we're talking about the sexual humiliation the unconsenting acts in case you want to listen but you also want to fast forward through them if you want to stay for the banter and just skip all the bdsm that's absolutely fine <laughs> let's get into Anne Rice. so she was born in 19- 1941 in New Orleans to an Irish Catholic family 
family and because of this New Orleans is the backdrop for most of her novels. Her birth name, so her the name she uses to write is already a pseudonym or a nom de plume as her birth name is Howard Allen. Her name's Howard? Her name's Howard Allen. She was named after her father and then when she went to school they just quickly were like, we're going to call you Anne. Like, this is just easier. We're going to call you Anne. She dropped out of uni and moved to San Francisco where she met her husband and got married at the age of 20. Her first and her most famous book of which previously mentioned is the interview with a vampire you know that sexy romp with brad pitt which was published in 1976 and she's continued writing this series there are 15 books and the latest one was published in 2018 so she's a real fan of them vampires overall she's written 42 books mixing from vampires to witches general novels she's a series of christian literature as well but she also has the erotic literature which we're getting into today. One of the biggest battles she's ever had is with her faith. She chops and changes between being a Catholic and being an atheist and a Christian and I couldn't tell you what side of the coin she is at the moment. One thing she has been is a big vocal supporter of gay rights, so the right for them to get married within church. Yes, Anne. After last week, we'll fucking take that. I know, and she also doesn't get along with the Catholic Church because of her pro-abortion and pro-birth control views. Anne Rice, come through. We like that. I was like, yes, queen. Yeah, show respect. She's generally a little bit spoopy. She's all about that paranormal. She's all about the occult, which I think if you've been writing about vampires for, what, 30? years you guns to be aren't yeah. you yeah she wrote sleeping beauty the one that we're going to examine today and it was published in 1983 and there were four books in this series the latest one was published in 2015 now this is what i found the most interesting part of Anne Rice's own take on these books mm-hmm. is that in the 80s loads of feminists denounced porn as a violation of women's rights okay which I get. But Anne Rice believed that women should have the right to read and write whatever they wanted and considered the beauty books as a political statement. That's very interesting. Now, having read the book, and maybe we'll get back to this at the end of the podcast to see whether it stands up as a feminist statement or as something that's a little piece of trash. And one last thing is that in 2016, a TV adaptation was announced, but so far, nothing has come of it. That's wild. How could you do that? How could you film that? I literally don't know who you would get to play any of the characters. Like, who would sign up for this? I'm going to say, again, top of the show, I will admit that the BDSM community is not something I have a vast amount of experience of. And this book has really shown me how little I know about it. Because it's just not particularly for me. Again, we are not here to kink shame. But I think the thing with, like, I don't want to compare it to Fifty Shades of Grey because it's A, a bit obvious, and B, we're not having the conversation about that book now. That's not happening. No. But according to some of the stuff that I've looked at, compared to Fifty Shades of Grey which is very widely regarded to be a not particularly good representation of a BDSM relationship. This book apparently gets quite a lot of it right and sort of gets into the mindset of it 
quite well. But from my knowledge of the BDSM world and having read this book as a feminist, as a person in 2020, there's a lot that I don't think stands up particularly that is quite problematic, I think I would say. Reading this, I felt very uncomfortable a lot of the time just because there was nothing that I felt actually turned me on. It really was too spank heavy, to be honest. There is so much spanking in this. It's like 70% spanking. <laughs> to the point where you're actually, you just want actual sex chat. Like there is very little actual sex. It's mostly spanking. If that's your thing, then this is the book for you. If you're a bit more on the vanilla and... When I say vanilla, I think of myself as one of those fancy vanilla ice creams that have, like, the pods in it. The little black bits Yeah, I'm yeah. not, like, a tub of walls basic vanilla. Not Mr. Whippy. I don't think I'm that vanilla. I think I'm fancy vanilla. I'm spicy vanilla with vanilla pods. But this was still quite a lot. Oh, mate, this was hard. I told you, and I've just found it in my book. Um, So the book is sort of... It's not that long, to be honest. It's about 250 pages long. And about halfway through, I wrote it down so I'd remember at which point I did it. And I think I texted you at the same time. And I went, I feel like I've had to turn off the part of my brain which is trying to find this sexy because I personally don't. But me trying to make it sexy is making me feel uncomfortable. So if I just read this and just kind of let it happen to me and I'm not personally aroused by it, that's absolutely fine. But if I'm trying to get into the headspace of someone who finds this sexy, like it's not gonna work. I still don't think anyone could find this book sexy. I can imagine, and it is all very hypothetical, how if you're into this, I bet this is really hot. Should we dive into the story? Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Right, so everyone knows the classic Sleeping Beauty. She gets kissed by a prince and then everything's fucking wonderful again. And that's the end of the story is she gets kissed happily ever after. Yeah. Well, she doesn't get kissed though, Hannah, does she? She doesn't just get kissed. She gets, I'm really sorry, she gets raped. On page three, this is on page three of a 250 page book because I literally circled it and was like already really so the prince comes and he sees like the corpses of other princes and he manages to hack his way through all the briar rose bushes and all that shite and then he finds beauty and everyone in the kingdom's asleep and their clothes have just rotted off after a hundred years and there's just nipples everywhere and he finds beauty in bed and it's all the sort of you get into sexy bingo you've got house just on the first three pages because they talk about plump breasts protruding sexes rosy pink nipples and exploding seeds his seed explodes into her and then he kisses her and then she wakes up and the whole kingdom wakes up. And also I think the thing that I can't overlook is the fact that she's 15. It's very specifically said that she's 15. Technically she is 115 because she's been asleep. For oh, that makes it okay then. <laughs> She's had that extra hundred years of experience to her. Oh no, she's been asleep. Can you imagine if someone fell asleep a hundred years ago and woke up today and they were like, ah, oh, 1920s. We were just about to go into a the Great, Great Depression. Depression. Everyone's in a in a in a quarantine. Shit, nothing's changed. You can drink. 
ha, doing the Charleston. And we're like, yeah, let me film it for TikTok. You have to be from New York to be from the 20s. The 20s only happened in New York. Yeah, so on the first page, she is a 15-year-old girl getting raped awake. That's what happens. He kisses her and she wakes up and he's like, oh, don't worry, babe, I came in you and now you're mine forever. Which is really like, you know how dogs piss on something to mark it as their territory? I do feel that men sometimes come on things to mark it as theirs. And this (laughs) very much felt like she was just something that he came on. He was like, mine, I came on it. Mine now. Like, I licked it, it's mine. Then he can touch it. And then she, well, he's going to take her back to his kingdom with him but there's a whole thing where they have dinner with her dad beauty's not allowed to wear clothes that's the number one rule is that beauty always has to be naked but one of the things i was just i'm sorry just to go back i want to say was really gross as well is that after he's banged her he looks down and he sees what he describes as the blood of innocence i wish you could see my face right now it is i'm doing like a look into the camera office style the blood of innocence. She's breaking the fourth wall, guys. It's very effective. <laughs> it doesn't work on a podcast, but it's great. I mean, I think we should get you to take a picture, like do a selfie doing that face and we'll put it up when this podcast goes out. Oh, definitely. Check out the Instagram for Molly's office face. So, yeah, so the dad comes in and the prince is like, oh, yeah, so came in a, I'm going to take her back. She's mine. Y'all know that back in the day when you guys used to come to my village kingdom please kingdom not village kingdom sorry sorry y'all came to my kingdom and you had to do those things well beauty's gonna come to my kingdom and she's guns to do them things and mum and dad are like uh brilliant she doesn't need clothes fuck off See you later. There's a bit where um, her dad's like, you are the son of a powerful monarch, he whispered. And the prince could see that the king would not raise his eyes to see his naked daughter. And I wrote, good, because that would be fucking weird. That would be weird. At least someone in this book is having a little bit of humility. So then we come on to what I called as the first spank is the hardest, where we get into the first of all the spankings. And I really cannot emphasise enough how much spanking goes on in this. What it really gets down to is he describes it. He says, I think you are sobbing more from the humiliation than the pain. Well, yeah. She is 15. She's just woken up from 100 years sleep. You're there giving her spanks and mum and dad have just sold her to you. Like, of course she's going to be sobbing. It's an emotional time. Being a 15-year-old girl, as we established last week, is fucking hard anyway. It sucks. Let alone, and I mean, we've all seen The Princess Diaries. Being a princess is difficult. It's not for everybody. And she's been asleep for her. Like, she's got a lot on her plate. And I think we all need to appreciate that. She needs a therapist. She needs so much help. Because even just, you'd think, being a 15-year-old princess who had a curse put on you and you're asleep for 100 years, that's enough. That's enough to deal with. But then he takes her back to his, kingdom with him as the book goes on we find that this is very much a tradition like a thing that's been going on for generations of people going to his kingdom and having to serve their time there it's sort of like a really shitty hunger games in that every kingdom has to send a tribute to be a sex slave and once you've been one of these sex slaves you become one of the best rulers in all the land because you've learned things Lots and lots of sexy things so you can rule. It's a lot of stuff about having self-control and learning to 
Fuck, I don't fucking know. Like, I wouldn't last a second in this kingdom. I swear to God. I wouldn't. We'll get into the weird punishments they come up to in this kingdom. But there really are very few sex scenes in it. The whole point of the book is that Beauty endures the punishments, but she actually secretly likes it a little bit. And that's the punishment for her is that it's this longing. Like she's been awakened and she's learning how to do all this stuff. I just want to read this little bit of a sex scene because the language, as they are in most of these things, just makes me cringe so hard. So, And with his right fingers, he found that tiny nodule of flesh between her tender nether lips and he worked it back and forth until she raised her hips, arching her back in spite of herself. A little face under his hand was a picture of distress. He smiled to himself, but even as he smiled, he felt the hot fluid between her legs for the first time, the real fluid, which had not come before with the innocent blood. They talk about how wet every woman is in this book a lot. They're like dripping all over the place. Everyone has a moist, sticky vagina and not everyone gets that moist. It's okay. Because a lot of it is about working you up into a state and then not giving you any release from it. So particularly there are male slaves who are just like constantly erect and can't do anything about it and are trying to like rub themselves against things just to feel something. I feel like it'd go away eventually. I'd probably just put the kettle on and I'd be like, okay. I think it would go away. Maybe it's a female thing. I am not a person with a penis. I've never experienced what having a penis is like. So I don't know how easy it is to just ignore it whereas for a girl I feel like eventually you just go oh it's not happening is it and it would just go away I mean maybe it's because it's a fairy tale as well because obviously it's it's a retelling of Sleeping Beauty and there's a lot in here which is very unreal and is very fairy tale-y and there are bits where I had to kind of remind myself like this isn't real life in the same way that if I sat down and read fucking Hansel and Gretel I wouldn't be like oh my god call it NSPCC like it's not real from what I've seen of men in public in the wilderness roaming free is that the thought of having a penis is always there in their mind and they want to make sure that you know that they have a penis so maybe in this world that comes in handy so she's been taken away and there's a lot of stuff in this where they give you a description of how it's happening and i'm like i don't understand the physics behind this the logistics of how he's like tossed her over a horse and stuff like that yeah so he carries her away from what i believe of this reading is that he is on a horse she is over his shoulders buttocks back or buttocks front i would say buttocks front her ass is like next to his face yeah i mean i feel sick I'd feel really dizzy, I think. I'm not, a horse is really high up. Oh, we should say that the prince is 18. So it's not that weird age-wise. Mm -hmm. It's still statutory, but it's not completely unacceptable. No, but what is unacceptable is that an 18 year old boy would satisfy you like this or know what he's doing sexually. Oh God, yeah. That's the biggest bit of fiction in this whole book <laughs> is that an 18 year old man is sexually comfortable with himself. So anyway, she's on this horse and they're going through and then they get to a village where he's like, man, it's hard riding horses. I need something to drink and eat. And he tells his guard that beauty needs to be tied up to the village sign so all the local villagers can come over and have a look at her. So they're all looking at her naked body and like, 
poking and prodding her. She's at this point, she's not having a good time. Like she's very embarrassed and she's trying to like hide her face and she's not loving it. I would like to say she's very rarely having a good we'll let you know when she's having a good time. Unless we specify otherwise, assume she's not having a good time. Then the prince comes out and he finds some creepy old pervy guy and he's like, She's pretty, eh? And the old man's like yeah and he's like do you want to touch her and the old man is like yeah so the old man like fills her up and oh it's really gross how they describe it it's really really gross it's just the the old man touched her sex those like six words horrible the old man touched her sex horrific so then they carry on going off down the road they're easing on easing on down the road until they get to an inn where they stop over for the night and then the innkeeper has a lovely daughter as they are inclined to do. Oh, and yeah, Beauty's not allowed to eat. She is only allowed a bowl on the floor, which the prince will put food in, and she eat it like a cat. Yeah, and one of the big things all the way through, especially in this early bit, is him kind of being like, what, do you think you're too good for this? Just because you're a princess, these are your people, these are your subjects, and they should get this side of you. He is like degrading her and breaking her down. But then being like, oh, do you think you're too proud? but then also being like but you should be proud of your body and you're so beautiful and you should let these people see you because you're beautiful but also don't get too proud because that ain't on my terms it feels like the prince is boris johnson trying to tell her to stay indoors what do you want from us it's a very topical reference i'm hoping if people listen to this in a couple of years <laughs> that will have gone down in history wasn't great guys wasn't great anyway so they're at the inn and then the prince makes the innkeeper's daughter come over and he's like bring your hardest chopping board so she brings something and then like beauty ends up getting spanked in front of everyone by the innkeeper's daughter which Beauty seems to find even worse because at this point she's got in her head the prince is doing it because he fancies her and she's like okay so I don't love that you do it but I love even less that you're like letting other people do it so the innkeeper's daughter spanks her and she's really not happy about that even less happy than when the prince spanks her I think she'd rather get felt up by the old man than be spanked by the innkeeper's daughter yeah so she's classist we've established this she's a princess these things happen she's only 15 she'll learn so there's another bit where again the actual science physics logistics of it confuses me is that the innkeeper's daughter then comes back after the spanking to soothe her buttocks there's a lot of healing which I like there's a lot of looking after the buttockses the aftercare is very important which is I believe a very important aspect of the BDSM community and that's the problem with shades is he'll like do bad shit to her and then he'll just fuck off and it's like that's not how you do it you have to also then look after the other person you can't soothe your own ass hannah is an english student what is the plural of buttockses one would be a buttock and then two would be buttocks so that's one so like don't you have two like because you've got two ass cheeks isn't it your buttocks yeah so one would be a buttock and then two is buttocks and then two plus is still buttocks. okay we'll keep it as buttocks i'm happy with that explanation that was that money i spent on that degree (laughs) worthwhile so again this is the weird physics i wanted to get into was that after she sued the buttocks the innkeeper's daughter is told to tie beauty up to the bedpost so i'm just gonna read it see if you can pick it. He says, tie your mistress to those posts with her hands and legs quite wide apart so that as I lay down I can look upon her, said the prince. Tie her with these satin bands. So he's nice, satin. So her skin won't be injured, but tie her very firmly for she must sleep in this position and her weight must not pull her loose. She was spread-eagled looking down at the bed. How is she being tied up? Are we assuming it's a four-poster bed? I'm assuming it's a four-poster bed, yeah. So she's like at the foot of the bed, four corners of the posts as opposed to like four corners of the bed 
yeah? But if it's a double bed or a king-size bed, that's going to be big. So that's a lot of stretching, isn't it? It is a lot of stretching. I don't think yoga exists in this kingdom. I don't know how well she is at stretching and flexing. There's too much spanking for self-care. I honestly, I probably don't think this deeply about it. And maybe that's on me. Like, you're clearly reading these books closer than I am. I was just like, yeah, tie her up. I don't, oh, I don't even care anymore. We're on page 27. I'm over it. I just trying to picture these things in my head. I just couldn't. So she's asleep. She wakes up. The next day, they go to the castle. Castle. I'm from the south. Castle. <laughs> you spent too long off here, babe. They go to the prince's castle and she realises sort of the life that she's in for and it says, when you enter my kingdom, you shall be mine more completely than ever. You will be mine beyond reprieve and it will be easier for you to forget all that went before that time and devote yourself only to me. So she's expected to try and forget. I mean, honestly, she's been asleep for a hundred years. Her memory is probably shaky. What's a dream and what's not at that point? Yeah, who knows? But all this place has kind of been between your kingdom where you were the princess and now we're in my, like, I'm the big boy here. And all that stuff, that's the stuff that reminded me it was a fairy tale. I'm like, this isn't real. Do you know what I mean? Like, this isn't a real thing. There are kingdoms and, like, no one's really wondering about paying the gas meter. They don't have Twitter. Like, it's a different different place it's a different time they have different concerns but one of their concerns is that you have to display your new sex slave for the lords and ladies to give and have a butchers really so she's laid out we meet lord gregory at this point and lord gregory is sort of like the high commander of the slaves like he thinks up the worst punishments he's not allowed to touch them but he seems to be in charge of wrangling behind the scenes he's like in charge of the admin of looking after the slaves. Yeah. And he gets her and puts her in position. She's kneeling and she's facing the prince and the queen. So the queen is his mum, the prince's mum. And she's fit. Like, we're told that she's pretty fit. She's, she's pegged. Do we ever find out the prince's name in this? I don't think we do, as far as I'm aware. It's just about to get well confusing. Yeah, because as she's on this table, she's being, like, displayed for all the lords and ladies, which she seems to find almost worse than having to go through the poor people bits. Obviously, being here with people who, in any other context, would be her peers, she finds that a bit more difficult. So, after she's sort of put on display, we sort of see what the whole operation's about. We see what they're doing here and she sees loads of people serving the wine and they're nude and as we previously mentioned all the boys are erect and they're trying not to rub themselves against the lords and ladies whilst pouring some wine and then one of them he drops the wine <gasps> now ladies and gentlemen that is the worst thing you can do in front of me and hannah we will give you a straw spillage is lickage that's what i have been brought up to believe anyway this guy drops the wine this guy drops the wine and we find out he is prince alexi sexy prince alexi and he gets whisked away and he gets punished and the way that beauty describes prince alexi and we get into one of the big focal points on this she describes him as his penis was hard and erect rising out thick and motionless from a nest of dark curly hair between his legs beauty could not stop herself from looking at it beauty could also see his scrotum between his legs dark hairy and mysterious. There's a lot of scrotum chat in this book and scrotum, anus, everything's a penis, nothing's like a, a bum hole or a balls. It's all scrotum. Yeah. Penis. And it's kind of not, even in the way that we've joked about before and in other books, it's very like, and his throbbing manhood. No, they'll be like, he put his penis into someone's anus. Like they're very methodical and clinical about it. It's not overly romantic when you're reading it. 
Prince Alexi is a bit fit. She's very taken with him. Would you bang Prince Alexi? <laughs> He's a troubled young man, <laughs> as we later learn. I feel like Prince Alexi has some baggage that I'm not qualified to help with. His baggage isn't his mysterious scrotum. He has other kinds of baggage. I think he probably needs a therapist before he's banging anybody. <laughs> Another thing we should say, women, you can't fix a man. No matter what someone tells you, your job is not to fix a man. In the words of the infamous Florence Given, stop raising him, he's not your son. That is one of her big catchphrases. And it's like... I've had some wines and I am down with that. So yeah, while beauty's kind of displayed out for all these lords and ladies and people are pouring at her and they're touching her and she's not, she's, again, don't need to say it, she's not having a great time. But Lord Gregory is kind of like, have a have a little look around at what's going on. And on one side, there are all these naked women. And the phrase she uses, they were all of them young like herself and they stood with their hands clasped behind their necks as the prince had taught her to do. Their eyes were down and she could see the glow of the fire on the curl of pubic hair between each pair of legs and the swelling pink nipples of their bosoms. So there's this row of like very submissive naked women. On the other side, there's a bunch of a bunch of lads doing the same thing, but they're all probably erect. And this is the game. This is what's happening: is that the princes and the princesses of all the neighbouring kingdoms are sent here, are taken from their homes and brought here, as Molly said, sort of like some kinky Hunger Game shit as tributes. And they spend is it like two to three years? It's whatever's agreed upon. So I do think it's a contractual thing. You need to have a good lawyer generations and generations of people have done this so if we flip back to that conversation that the prince had with beauty's dad at the start you're now like oh shit he did it her mum would have done it this is what all the monarchs have been doing and they knew that their kids were gonna have to do it and they were just fine with that because that is the world can you imagine if that's what our monarchy actually did uh, do you know what it might actually be what our monarchy does because you, you know what they're... that's why Meghan markle tapped out i don't respect that she was like absolutely fucking not but this is the setup is um that all these princes and princesses for some reason this kingdom's better than all the others so they get all the sex slaves and prince alexi is like the queen's favorite one and as we kind of as the book goes on beauty is like prince the prince's fave who again this is why it gets confusing because the prince doesn't have a name he's just the prince all the others have names like princess this thing and beauty is just called beauty yeah she doesn't have a name why would she so we then move from beauty realizing what the fuck is actually happening to because she sort of felt a pang down there when she saw prince alexi we don't know what it was whether it was his auburn pubes or you know the wink in his eye so prince alexi gets summoned to the prince's chamber do we need to give him a name should we just refer to everyone as their first name unless they are the prince in which case they get called the prince so so he's not Prince Alexi anymore, he's just Alexi because he's just Alexi. So the actual prince calls Alexi to his bedchamber and some weird shit starts happening. It feels like the actual prince wants to humiliate Alexi because Beauty's feeling something from Alexi. He's spotted that Beauty is feeling some kind of way when she looks at Alexi and he's like, fuck this, I'm gonna degrade this man in front of her. But we also learn the second skill that these people have to do. Not only do they have to be erect constantly, they have to undress their masters with just their teeth. There's a lot of picking things up in your mouth. There's a lot of people playing games with their servants and being like, go and fetch this thing off the floor with your mouth and crawl to me with it. Which I 
again, because I'm not someone who is into kind of degradation, humiliation, for me, that's like not sexual at all. Whereas to some people, maybe that gets them going. Maybe that the whole vibe of it is they're being treated like a pet and that's what they want. Buttons are hard. I can barely undo my own partner's belt with my fingers. It's really difficult. I'm not dexterous. Why are boys' jeans so difficult? Why have they got all these like buttons and whistles and bells and shit on them? why can't we just both have buttons on the same side? Would that be so wrong for men and women to have buttons on the same side and pockets? Why don't we have pockets? Patriarchy, that's why. Fuck them. Anyway, so speaking of the patriarchy, we go to a bit which sort of then we explained to us why the prince called him there. So immediately, Alexei moved to put his lips to the seam in the prince's breeches. With a skill that amazed beauty, he unsnapped the hooks that concealed the prince's bulging sex and revealed it. The organ was enlarged and hardened, and Prince Alexei freed it from the cloth now and tenderly kissed it. But he was in great pain still, and when the prince thrust the organ into Alexei's mouth, he was not prepared for it. He felt backwards a little onto his knees and had to reach for the prince, caressing him to stop himself from falling. But immediately he sucked the prince's organ, and he did it with a great back and forth motions that amazed beauty. His eyes closed, his hands hovering at his sides, ready for the prince's command. It feels like the prince got Alexei to come and teach beauty how it's really done. It's like he's making an example of him. So already she's seen that Alexei made this mistake and he got punished for it in front of everyone. And now he's like, this is the behind closed doors shit. One thing that I do think is interesting and maybe, I mean, as we've established, I didn't know this when I read it, Anne Rice is pretty liberal and is very like pro all the things we're pro. But I feel like this book sort of bisexualizes everybody. There's no like, well, he's a boy, I don't want that or like vice versa. It's very much everyone is at the beck and call of everybody else it doesn't matter yeah because later on when we meet lady juliana who we haven't got into yet she's very much obsessed with beauty and the queen becomes obsessed with beauty and there's a scene where you see lady juliana falling asleep in the queen's arms so although they don't talk about like minge on minge action it's nice to see that they might have lesbian characters or like bisexual characters and honestly this is one of the things I did not expect to be saying about this book. Who thought that this would be the LGBT book we've all been looking for? It was very tender. It was very loving. That was the nicest bit of the book, honestly, was watching Lady Juliana fall asleep in the Queen's arms. The prince, the actual prince, has brought Alexi here to show Beauty how it's done. But then Alexi gets punished. After this bit, Alexi gets into his punishment. They have weird phallic gods and Prince Alexi is put onto one of these phallic gods. All around the castle, there seems to be these big like statues that just have these like big whacking boners that you can just pop a slave onto at any point that you need to. And then Beauty like wakes up in the middle of the night and like goes on her hands and knees. I mean, she's on her own. If it were me, I would have just stood up, whatever. Alexi is like fucking mega hard and she's like oh that can't be very pleasant for her and then so her plan um is when the the actual prince is asleep that she's going to go and relieve prince alexi and when she gets there there's someone called squire felix who's already there doing the deed so she hides and she watches i'm watching this happen like 
really gets her going. And she's happy to sneak out of the prince's bedroom to go and suck off another prince, then stay and watch him get sucked off by another person. But she dared not touch it with her fingers lest she be discovered. And it was too shameful to think of such things. And she was sure the prince would never allow it. And it's like, he probably wouldn't have allowed what you've just done, hun. <laughs> it's not okay. So then the next day she wakes up, Lord Gregory is there to take her to the slave's hall, um, which the prince doesn't want him to do because he is like, obsessed with beauty but she has to go and be one of the proper slaves she has to be part of the community of the castle so he takes her to the slaves hall which is where she meets her groom who is a man called leon and his job is like bathing her and grooming her as we said before you can't soothe your own buttocks after you've been spanked so someone has to do it it's leon's job to do it and he's like if you've got any questions you can ask me your questions all that stuff he seems like a decent person and then she gets taken to the hall of punishments and basically it's just like a load of the naughty princes and princesses strung up on meat hooks from their like wrists and ankles that are like so like folded in half mm. and the big thing about this is it's, it leaves your genitals on display that's kind of the reason they've done it this way they put honey on this princess's vag so that it'll attract flies and that'll like tickle and be uncomfortable and as it dries it will be itchy as well and that's there to like exacerbate her punishment i'm sure it is very uncomfortable um, and also probably not very hygienic or good for your vagina don't put honey on your vagina please it sounds like it'd be one of those like at home remedies that people use for like, yeast infections or whatever so that's the sort of punishment but we also learn of a separate punishment which is called the village the village, the village. The and we learn that bad things happen in the village we never speak of the village Mm -mm. it is the punishment for incorrigibles but the beauty doesn't need to worry no slave of the princes would ever be sent to the village and it kind of adds into this whole like very unreal fantasy thing it's it's very fairy taley that element of it and it becomes a big thing later the other thing we learn about is the bridal path so the queen isn't enamoured with beauty as everyone else is and we should mention that the the reason that we go to the Hall of Punishments is because one of the ladies, Lady Juliana, isn't happy with her slave and that's how she makes beauty and she becomes enamoured with beauty like why wouldn't you, she's white, she's beautiful, she's got blonde hair, it's everything that the 80s media is telling us to be. She's like this perfect hun, yeah. And then it turns out that the queen is like, do you know what, I'm going to give you a challenge, I'm going to make beauty ride the bridal path. So Anne Rice is famed for her pony play. There's a lot of it. Would you like to explain the bridal path to everybody? So the bridal path is like a festival. It's like, you know, in school you had harvest festival. We'd bring in a tin can. Well, this is like harvest festival, but you bring your sex slave and you make them wear knee high boots that have horses shoes and you have to jump like a horse whilst you're being spanked by a lord or a lady who is on a horse. And it's kind of like a way of displaying all the slaves to all these people who've come for this party of some kind. She's all dolled up, she's got her hair all nice, she's got her boots on. And of course, Leon is there to guide her through it. I weirdly feel like Leon is. You know, in The Devil Wears Prada, where Stanley Tucci teaches Anne Hathaway how to be a fashionista, Leon mm-hmm. is teaching Beauty how to be a sex slave. But there's a lot of slaves doing this, and like the girl in front of her is like, do I have to run for my lord? Because I'm like, well, fast. And he's like, not fast at all. And like, her grandma's like, shh, 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 bitch, 
calm down. She's got an actual problem. But the idea is that she has to run. She's going to be spanked. And he's like, you just got to keep going, babes. Like, it's not going to stop. It's going to get worse if it's, you try and... Yeah, don't anticipate the paddle. The paddle will anticipate you. Just keep going. Just keep running. So they run, they run. She's doing fantastically. She's lifting her knees like a weird horse, running with her horseshoes and a paddle and Lady Juliana spanking her. They get to the Queen and the Queen's actually fucking impressed. The Queen's like, yes, bitch. The Queen is concerned about how much the Prince is into beauty. That's not his job is not to be into her. His job is to like train her and shit. And so she's like, let's see what your slave can do. And turns out she's the best slave ever or some shit. So then the Queen is like, come to my bedchamber. And this is when we see the Queen for the first time as the sexy, sexy bitch she is. Oh, the Queen is fit, man. The Queen is fit. The Queen is sort of like a Tilda Swinton, but with bigger breasts. The Queen's big thing. So, of course, she spanks beauty. This is the whole thing. We're not going to get into that because that's just all it is. If we did, we'd lose time. If we're not specifying someone's probably getting spanked, like, we're just telling you the stuff that happens around the spanking. But the Queen's big thing about the spanking is, you've been spanked by a man, I bet I can spank you harder. Which I'm game for. That's that feminism coming through, Anne. Love it. I'm not a lesbian, but I was turned on. Were you? The Queen being a little bit forceful. Yes, please. Then Lady Juliana comes along. So then they come up with this new game for beauty in which they have a load of rose petals and they throw them up in the air they land on the floor and beauty has to pick them up in her mouth and drop them in the queen's lap that sounds difficult it sounds really hard there was a lot of crawling in this book that i don't think my knees would be up to i'm so old with my knees my knees are like the knees of a 64 year old woman we do need to remember she's only 15 she's still lithe and young but like i couldn't cope with a lot of this she doesn't need the cod liver oil she's fine so she's crawling around she's bringing all these rose petals to the queen and she's kind of thinking like she's gonna have to stop at some point because surely like she's just gonna get bored of this but it becomes a bit of a to quote moulin rouge spectacular spectacular the words are moving up you go da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> she's getting spanked whilst picking up these rose petals and lady juliana is like isn't she lovely and the queen's like yeah she is so prince alexi's also watching this whole time because he's the queen's favorite so why wouldn't he be watching like a little pervert he is i think prince alexi is like being fucking risky because he's giving her a little smile mm. giving a little wink i'm like you know that's gonna get you both into trouble hun like calm down we've been this is not the first time she's got into trouble because of you so stop doing it please stop doing it so the queen asked prince alexi to hang her up in the closet like she is a really nice jacket and then in the dead of night prince alexi breaks her out Mm-hmm. comes to rescue her and they bone as we said we'll tell you when she's having fun it's happening now this is the time when she's having fun to quote it it says hot fluids filter and she lay back gasping but then he tells her his tale of woe which is about how he came to be here and all the shit that's happened to him how he ended up as the queen's favorite and this is why i say prince alexi is a troubled man a lot of shit has happened to him listeners please buckle up please put your seatbelts in we're about to go into a 70 mile an hour zone this bit's not pleasant fucking rough and one of the things that i do think is interesting about this there is a lot 
of sex in this book that I would describe as non-consensual, particularly with Beauty and some of the other female slaves. The first time the word rape comes into it is during Prince Alexi's story and then he's chucking it around left, right and centre. So maybe women don't get raped, they just secretly enjoy it, but men get raped by other men. And when I said that, I hope you could hear the disdain in my voice. I genuinely wasn't thinking that. Beauty is a teenage girl asleep that's not a rape. That's just what men do. Right. Prince Alexi was like, fuck this shit. So he ran away for a bit. And then old Queenie's guards found him. And he kept trying to run away. He wasn't happy as most of us wouldn't be in this situation. And they tried a whole range of punishments. And one of them was that he was tied up in the Queen's bedroom and he could only look at the Queen. He couldn't touch anything. He had to watch all the Queen's amusements and... That's where we learn about the Queen's favourite called Prince Gerard. And she didn't like it when Gerard fucked women, but liked it when he fucked men. And Prince Lexi had to watch. And then when he's released, he runs away and he gets captured. And the worst possible punishment, which shows the classist issues in this, is that he gets taken to the kitchens and the kitchens are a fucking hellish nightmare. Oh, this was horrible. In that he gets poked and prodded, he gets tarred and feathered, he gets carrots shoved up his ass, but he can't remove it with his hands, so he has to like sneeze it out. There's a lot of food waste, which is problematic for me, get a compost bin. But there's a lot of like food, like scraps and leftovers, like this honey, like we're putting honey on the badge before, is all up in the bin his balls get covered in shite and and it's really horrible and i think the thing that's interesting is all the way through this if you're i mean i don't know again we're not qualified for this um if you're into bdsm then perhaps bits of this are gonna do it for you honestly write into us we'd love to know do it like anonymously make yourself a little new email address make a burner account on twitter and like let us know what's going on educate us because it was long as well. There's like four fucking chapters of Prince Alexi's tale. And like, it doesn't seem sexual at all. It's just straight up horrible. It's just punishment. And again, it's a really classist thing in the way that they talk about the cooks, like the children to do this. It's all the scrubbers and he eventually finds solace in the stable boys because they're the next level up from him. Like the stable boys aren't great, but at least they're not the kitchen people. They're better than the cooks. And they like, again, they do something which to me defies gravity is that they manage to put their slappy thing to make the horse go faster. They're like a whip thing, yeah. They put up his bum and they manage to carry him a little way. Yeah, he's like up on his tiptoes, like running along with that, yeah. Until he finds love with one of the stable boys and he sort of starts looking to the stable boys as his almost like his sort of redemption and he starts to not hate that because it's better than the other thing that he's been subjected to what he does is he's out with one of the stable boys and he starts picking daisies with his teeth and putting them in the lap so he's doing this and one of the guards sees he's getting better he's clearly like committed to doing something right so then they take him to the queen and the queen's like yeah cool sure so then like we mentioned about beauty and the petals we have the golden ball situation and i wish this was some sort of bradley walsh game show itv-esque thing but it's not the queen drops load of golden balls and prince lexi has to go and pick them up with his mouth and put them in the queen's lap and then the queen puts them into his anus 
So he's walking around with a load of golden balls in his ass to pick up another golden ball to put in his ass. Couldn't do it. I have IBS. It's a lot of like muscle strength. He's obviously had a lot of time to acquire that muscle strength, but it's difficult. Like it's fucking hard work. That this is ultimately how he wins the queen back over and how he becomes the queen's favorite as we see him in this book. But he's clearly taking fucking liberties by like being like, I'm the queen's favorite, so I will have some actual nice sex behind closed doors and I'll like tell you my story. The big thing he said is you can't fall asleep. Because you have to be back up on that wall by tomorrow morning so that no one will know that we've done this. So to further prove his love, the queen gets in six of the slave boys and then she makes them stand in line while Prince Alexi has to walk across in his hands and knees whilst the slave boys paddle him. Classic. And whoever is paddled in the hardest, Prince Alexi has to give them heads. That's another punishment. And then he gets handed over to a load of the princesses. And I mean princesses in the sex slaves. It's these young women who are clearly like used to being on the receiving end of this. So mm. they go hog wild. And there's one princess called Princess Lynette who is the cruelest of all the princesses. And Princess Lynette does such a good job that the guardian who's overseeing these punishments thinks that it might be a good idea for Lynette to do this in front of all the lords and ladies. They do that. They do like a little circus show where he's doing all these things and little jumps and collecting things and whatever and Lynette's like the ringmaster. Is this where he twerks? I think it is, yeah. There's a bit where they're like, dance, monkey, dance. And Rice invents twerking, <laughs> FYI. It's all about him demonstrating well enough that he has surrendered like his pride essentially that he's been broken down to the point where he will just do anything that he's told to do it's better than going back to the kitchens like why wouldn't you so we get alexi's tale of how he came to be where he is this is about 50 pages of the book and the book is only 250 pages long it's a big chunk of the book you have to go through a lot of alexi's sadness Mm. Alexi just wants to go home. And you have to get through it because you, you're aware of the fact that you're getting near the end of the book. Oh, you're really excited. You're like, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish this. At the you beginning, know. the chapters are quite short and they kind of get longer and longer as you get into like Alexi's fucking story. And then the book just kind of finishes. And I feel like they wrapped it up real quick just to give like a cliffhanger. We should say the point of Alexi's mm. story is that you truly do not understand this unless you've been actually broken. Yeah, like, Beauty sort of likes it despite herself. She's like, I really hate this, but also I'm sort of really into it. And he's like, this is what they went through to break me. If you can enjoy this, like, try and fucking enjoy it because this is the alternative. And then at the end, after Alexi's story, it just, it all turns around real quick and the book just finishes. So the prince's cousin has a sex slave, Prince Tristan, and he did some bad shit. And then the prince is like, well, he's got to go to the village. The prince's cousin is like, you wouldn't send your sex slave to the village. And he's like, uh-huh, I would, but she's perfect. Look at her. I fucking would, but I don't need to. And then Beauty has heard about the village. She's heard that Alexi's story that sometimes you just need to be super punished to appreciate and she acts out she goes mental she's meant to be serving wine at a party she runs around she probably farts no one farts in this but <laughs> you can assume she farts on someone and she 
gets sent to the village. She basically gets herself sent to the village because she voluntarily wants to be broken down in the way that Prince Alexei was broken down. She actually loves it. It's such a horrible ending to a book. I almost thought, like, I would rather she got caught with Alexei or mm. she was running away to have... Because at least then I would feel like she had some kind of arc beyond this. So I would just like to read everyone the final paragraph because as someone who reads the back of books when they're getting bored i read this and i was like who the fuck is prince tristan prince tristan only comes in in the last 10 pages of the book like he is not and maybe he's a character in the next ones so the last paragraph is prince tristan struggled towards her as she moved towards him though around them the slaves flinched and squirmed to avoid this spirited thrashing from the guards who rode along beside them beauty felt the deep cut of a strap on her calf but Prince Tristan was now pressed against her. Her breast was sealed to his warm chest and her cheek rested against his shoulder. His thick, rigid organ passed between her wet thighs and stroked her sex roughly. Struggling not to fall, she mounted the organ. She thought of the village, all the terrors that awaited her. And when she thought of her dear, defeated prince and her poor, grieving Lady Juliana, she was again smiling. But Prince Tristan filled her mind as he struggled. It seemed with his whole body to pierce her and enfold her. Even among the cries of the others, she heard his whisper behind his gag. Beauty, are you frightened? No. She shook her head. She pressed her tortured mouth to his, and as if he lifted her with his thrusts, she felt his heart pounding against her. And that's the end of the book. That's it. How wet did you get? Were you like the ocean? How wet did you get? Were you like the desert? How wet did you get? Did this book make you come? No. Not at all. I literally didn't. If this is something which you're into, absolutely smash it. Good for you. Personally, not for me at all. To quote Scooby-Doo, I found it rough. <laughs> um, I, I don't even know how many penises... I can give it. I don't know if I can. I don't think I can. I think it actually dried me up. I didn't want sex for a while after this. It made me feel like really physically uncomfortable reading parts of it. But the thing is, both of us, when we went in reading it, didn't know that Anne Rice wrote it as a feminist piece of literature against the fact that feminists in the 80s thought that porn was bad quote-unquote bad because i can see how okay so this is again chipping into my very limited knowledge of bdsm dynamics i can see how writing some erotica is a good way to go actually if women choose to do the sexy things then that's okay and they're not being exploited by anyone which i entirely think i think that you can have feminist pornography and i don't think that's a problem i can also see how a lot of people in the research I was doing into this were saying that it's a really common misconception in BDSM relationships that the dominant person is the one with the power because generally in consensual ones which is our issue with this it's not consensual the submissive person is the one who like will set the boundaries and set the rules prior to the thing happening and then everything you're doing is within a set parameter that you've created together and therefore it's consensual which again I can understand and how in that case 
the person who's submissive has a lot of control over it. Yeah. That is not what this book is. A lot of people talk about it as a rape fantasy and we acknowledge that those exist. We do, that's what some people get off on. I know people who get off on that, but I don't. If it's not for you, which I think is the key with anything sexual, some things Mm. do it for you, some things don't. If it's not for you, it becomes a difficult read. I, is how I feel. It's just, I don't have words, I just have weird noises. Do you think it's feminist? Now that I know that's the angle she was going for, I see it slightly more than before. Because why wouldn't beauty take control of her own sexuality and actually think that this is good? This is the thing for her. Like, why wouldn't she want to be punished? Because that's what she wants. Like, If that's what she wants, then baby, crack on. But she, like, teaches herself to want it rather than it being what she wants. Reading it before knowing Anne Rice's prerogative with it didn't come across that way i found that that kind of opinion that we've just had was very reflected in the goodreads reviews very mixed opinions what do the good people at goodreads say hannah a lot of people just one star no 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 i want to bleach my brain after reading this what in the name of the holy mother have i just read one person had got it in a box set for christmas from their grandma stop no because she knew that she was into fairy tales and i think she was like grams definitely didn't realize that this was what this was oh granny she'd seen like sleeping beauty and was like she'll love that so a lot of people just really weren't weren't into it and then there were some people who i think gave quite nuanced reviews and there were some people who were kind of kicking off about the number of people who just went oh and they were like yeah it's not going to be for everyone there's a handful of five star reviews on goodreads and those are the people who really go deep and i'm not going to read this whole thing because it's like a dissertation but basically saying if you're not curious about this then don't read this book and don't review it on goodreads because clearly it's not for you whereas if you are someone who is curious is already into this world if this is something that you like then maybe this is going to be something for you and it's not about someone who is taught how to be sexual and how to blah 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 it's a story about a woman who it turns out really gets off on serving other people and for a princess that's not necessarily something she would have got to do otherwise this is her exploring something which she maybe doesn't normally get and i think i'm not going to get into a feminist polemic about people making choices but it's in the way that modern feminism isn't about going get the women out of the kitchen that's not where they belong it's going honey if you want to be in the kitchen you be in there it's your choice you do what you want to do boo there were some reviews on goodreads that i thought did quite a good like nuanced analysis of that side of it how was amazon it's the first one i want to read out from amazon uh, and this is pure simple just gonna let it go it's by a person who's called i love my cat and it goes BDSM fantasy, hot stuff. Haven't read this for ages, but love it. Oh, good. I'm going to read you a pro and against. So the pro is called Great Series. I first read this book roughly 20 years ago, and I'm about to read it again with my partner. Go on, girl. The wonderful thing about reading Desire and Fetishes is that anyone can stay in your mind and some can be explored with lovers. If you don't like something, you have that freedom. The series has been a wonderfully erotic read and a door to pleasure. I find Anne Rice's early work very good. I enjoy her writing style. I think it's interesting that there may well have been people who read this in the way that we read Sugar Rush and went, do you remember when this was really sexy? Maybe it's not. But also that she was like, not everything's going to be for you, but if you find something you like, then great. 
carry on. Well, the next one down was from someone who put it as, no, what are people (laughs) thinking? I read the first 10 pages before returning in which the prince rapes Sleeping Beauty in order to wake her and then forces her to be a naked sex slave, attending dinner with her father without any clothes on. I understand being a submissive, but there is a difference between that and when a woman is forced to be a sex slave following rape. No, totally not okay. Well, there we go. That's both sides of the coin. If you are someone who has read this, if you are now interested in reading it, if this has encouraged you to read it, then amazing. Please let us know. If you've read the series, let us know. Let us know what happens at the end because I'm not going to read it. The 2016 one in particular, because from other things I've read, she really apologises about the rape in it. I am curious to know how it would have changed over the course of the time, but I'm also not curious enough to read it myself. So if you have read it, please let us know. You can find us on um, Instagram is at literally gagging pod, Facebook literally gagging pod as well. Twitter is a little bit different. It's lit gag pod because we're saving you them characters. Saving you them characters. You can email us at literallygaggingpod at gmail.com. So please do share with us any thoughts, feelings that you have. We'll read them out. We will. We would love to know what you think of them. If you've got any other books you'd like us to read that are dirty, as Christina Aguilera would say, please let us know because it's not that we're running out. It's just that we want to know what people like. Yeah, we want to know what, what have you read that's got you wet that's all we want to know ultimately and then we can read it and see if it does it for us please rate and subscribe and give us a review you can find us on spotify you can find us on itunes or stitcher or tune in or most places where you get your podcast wherever good podcasts are sold that's where you'll find us tell your friends tell your fam tell your mum does she like sexy books what's your mum reading let me know your mum would fucking love us next week we are going to be doing the world is full of married men by jackie collins which i believe is her first she's like a very prolific writer i think this is the first one the second coming of jc onto this podcast and i'm excited for it it's gonna be good we'll see you next week you bunch of slags stay safe stay inside or don't stay inside stay alert that's the new thing stay alert fucking wash your hands if you're having a wank that's our big motto you filthy animals see you next week bye Bye. a big thank you to bobby bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything to bethany southworth for our jingle and the other incidental music is from kevin mcleod of incompetech the king of royalty free jams and savior of media studies students the world over